Old Vines Written by Sevdrak and read by Literarian Chapter 21 Fruit Set Part 3 Once they're inside, Crowley feels a lot less vulnerable, although he shouldn't. It's a bit odd that Aziraphale hasn't, like, asked any questions. He isn't curious. But it's good, cause Crowley doesn't want to talk about it. But it's also weird. God, shit, what the fuck? He gets them settled in his living room. The first floor is a combination of Crowley's own tastes and, well, comfortable for guests. His living room is set up in front of a giant flat-screen telly with a dark grey couch and love seat. He does have a couple throw pillows, because that's what Brian always likes to give him for holidays and birthdays. They're of course lime green and neon pink, but Crowley keeps them out, because otherwise Brian wins. He watches Aziraphale's eyes catch on them, and can't help but giggle when Aziraphale glances over at him, obviously questioning. Their gifts... Crowley tells him, shrugging. Brian keeps trying to bring them into the tasting room. I don't mean to be rude, dear. Aziraphale settles himself down on the couch, rather closer to Crowley than expected, and Crowley smiles to himself. It's just so very obviously not your aesthetic. Crowley snorts then. The living room is all shades of grey and silver, black lines and stark walls. The kitchen brings in a splash of red and the dining room softens slowly to the rich dark brown wood of his table, but that's about it. Every year he buys me new ones and I get to throw away the old ones. Can't wait until Christmas, Angel. Aziraphale smiles and leans into Crowley. Oh, that's interesting. Crowley tentatively moves his arm, and when Aziraphale sighs happily, he sets his arm around those broad shoulders and has another one of those moments where it feels like time has just stopped because things are just too good to be real. Shall we put something on, Angel? Crowley keeps it casual. He isn't really sure what Aziraphale's plans are for the rest of the night. Another glass of wine? Hmm. Crowley can feel the hum against his side. Azira felt a pleasant weight there, his head resting against Crowley's shoulder, close enough that Crowley could tip his face in and smell Azira felt's curls. That's probably creepy. Is it?
He stuck his hands into Aziraphale's pants in the middle of Madame Tracy's rental kitchen, for fuck's sake. Their boundaries are probably a bit different than usual. Aziraphale sits up, just a bit, tilting his head. Are you looking to partake? I'm not against drinking alone, but it seems rude in front of company. Ah, well. Depends, Angel. Need to be able to drive you home at some point. Oh, says Aziraphale somewhat archly. He turns in Crowley's arms, fully this time, so that their eyes meet. Do you, though? That ridiculous blaze, the thing that has been flickering between them the entire night, roars up in Crowley's veins again. He'd not forgotten about it, really, laid it aside out in the old vines, telling Aziraphale about the winery, and yet it's right here, immediately back. Crowley suddenly can't breathe. And what are you suggesting, Angel? His voice, at least, comes out even. Aziraphale ducks his head, gives Crowley this coy little look up through his lashes. He knows exactly what he's doing, Crowley thinks. Well, I'd hate to end the night too early, my dear. Aziraphale's hand is on Crowley's thigh, just sitting, pressing only a bit. Solid, warm, and it has Crowley thinking about those fingers. His thumb is tracing a gentle line, and it may as well be scorching through Crowley's trousers. God, fuck. Crowley's not really sure he's ready for... Uh, for the... having... the incredible vulnerability that can come from, you know, making... Well, and yet he isn't really sure he would want to turn it down. Be able to turn it down. The thought of unwrapping Aziraphale, of being able to touch and taste the expanse of his body, well, fuck. It's been a hell of a night, really. Aziraphale must see something on Crowley's face because his hand reaches up gently to cup his cheek for a moment. May I? he asks, and Crowley realizes he's still wearing his sunglasses even though it has to be so late and it's Aziraphale. He'd kept them on out in the vines, feeling a little too exposed to also reveal the oddities in his mismatched face. Sure, says Crowley, feeling again like he's choking. He wants too much. So many things. He wants to lean in and kiss Aziraphale. 
He wants to snuggle up on the couch and watch Chopped, listen to Aziraphale tell him all about the ingredients as they get a lazy sort of drunk. He wants to take Aziraphale upstairs and turn on all of the lights and peel him out of his clothes until Crowley's mouth has touched every inch of him. He wants to run and hide in the basement to... It isn't like this is all some noble selfless giveaway. He wants too much, and he's going to fuck it up by grabbing for things that aren't on offer. Crowley's like a void, gaping to be filled. How the fuck is Aziraphale so confident? By the time he shakes himself out of his thoughts, Aziraphale's turned into him, his outer hand back on Crowley's thigh and his closer hand at the nape of Crowley's neck. My dear, are you all right? Perfect, Crowley says, and immediately mentally kicks himself for saying it, but he lets himself lean in to kiss Aziraphale instead. He's absolutely a bit shaken, and Aziraphale takes the lead, starting off with gentle, pressing kisses, deepening as they go, until Crowley's mouth has been peeled open, and he's gasping into the moments Aziraphale pulls away to look at him, only to come back, smooth and deep and entirely overwhelming. What do you think, my dear Crowley? Aziraphale's smile is sly and fond. The night doesn't have to be over yet, does it? And no, oh no, it does not. Crowley shifts, reaching out to grab at Aziraphale's broad hips. Here, he says, tugging. Pulling. Come here. And eventually Aziraphale gets the message, shifting up to straddle Crowley's lap. God fuck yes, Crowley says, because he has two solid handfuls of Aziraphale's thighs and he's already tipping his head back onto the couch so that Aziraphale can suck at the tender lines in his neck. He can't keep his hands still. Aziraphale's just so... Hell, the weight of him, the way it feels like he's holding Crowley down, like Crowley's not allowed to go anywhere. They've never done this sitting, deliberately settling against each other, and it's like an entire world of sensation. Aziraphale's hands in his hair, mouth on his neck, Wait, leaning him back into the couch at the moment. Crowley feels surrounded, overwhelmed, like a wave has just crashed over him and left him drenched. But he's not lost yet. His hands keep tracing Aziraphale's curves. 
back to his ass, grabbing at it, then round to the sides of his hips, palms gliding up the tops of his thighs, until his thumbs are tucked into the creases of Aziraphale's groin, and Aziraphale sits back and shifts his weight until he can grind down onto Crowley. Oh, fuck. Shit. Crowley's mouth stutters where it's been tracing under Aziraphale's jaw. He's hard, but Aziraphale's blazingly desperate, so hot that Crowley can feel it through all of the layers of clothing. Crowley, Aziraphale murmurs into his neck. Crowley. His hand comes down to cup Crowley through his trousers, his thumb tracing up and down with so much pressure, Crowley almost wants to just rub off against it. Oh, my dear. Crowley drags his hands up Aziraphale's body, buries them in his curls, pulls Aziraphale in against him so tightly their lips are more mushed than kissing. He needs this. He needs to breathe through Aziraphale's mouth. Fuck. He licks against Aziraphale's teeth. He doesn't know what he needs. Aziraphale gently moves away, only to carefully shift his weight, pulling away from Crowley, and Crowley can only watch, stupid as fuck, as Aziraphale sinks down to his knees between Crowley's legs and looks up as if Crowley some glorious vintage Aziraphale can't wait to drink down. Aziraphale's hands run up Crowley's thighs, solid and warm, and oh shit, this is absolutely something else. Crowley's dreaming, he has to be either dreaming or drunk, except that he isn't drunk and he doesn't think even the best of dreams could be generating this much arousal. Crowley, Aziraphale whispers as his hands come together at the buckle of Crowley's belt. May I? It's such a God's be fucked stupid question that Crowley doesn't even know how to answer for almost a full minute. The answers written on his face, in his gaping eyes and his heavy, rushed breathing. In the way his hips are craning towards Aziraphale, even in this position, the way his toes are already curling. Jesus, someone, Crowley stammers. Yes, yes, angel, God, fuck. That's more blasphemy than I've heard in days, Aziraphale says conversationally as Crowley's belt falls to those calm fingers, followed by the button on his trousers, then the long, slow zip of his fly. I just 
can't. I want to taste you, my dear. The loosened trousers are tucked down. Crowley realizes he's still in his nice suit. Aziraphale's still in his nice suit. They went out into the vines in their dress clothes. He can't even give a single fuck. This has to be why she invented discreet dry-cleaning. Fuck, Aziraphale's working the waistband of his wine-red silk boxer briefs down as well. And every time either fabric or fingers brushes against Crowley's cock, his breath stutters. He isn't going to be able to take this. Fuck, he told Aziraphale about his... About before, and about how he got here, and about ecstasies, and here's Aziraphale still wanting to draw Crowley in. Still wanting Crowley. What the actual fuck is happening? Aziraphale's fingers gently wrap around the base of Crowley's cock, and his hips jerk with a life of their own. Aziraphale's breath catches, and Crowley makes the kind of whining noise he hopes only dogs and dolphins can understand. I've wondered, Aziraphale says then, so casually it's like they're talking about grapes. I've wondered about your taste probably since the day I first saw you, he continues, and then licks a hot raw stripe up the base of Crowley's cock. The noise Crowley makes is obscene. Absurd. It feels fucking divine, right, like the slick and the heat are reading Crowley's wants out of his own mind, but it's equally the look of Aziraphale on his knees, Tongue now licking at the head of Crowley's stick like it's a goddamned souffle and shit. The thought of being dessert has never been so attractive until right now. Angel. Crowley manages to breathe out and the look on Aziraphale's face goes positively decadent as he sucks the entire tip of Crowley's cock into his mouth. It fucking hits like lightning, and Crowley's hips jerk despite his own desire to be polite, to be somewhat normal. But who can be normal when it's A.Z. Fell's delicacy of a mouth surrounding the head of his cock, those lips working at the end of his shaft, tonguing at the slit, such tight suction Crowley's tempted to jerk into maybe all of three times and then come down that decadent throat. But no. Aziraphale pops his mouth off and it's the most obscene of sounds. He runs his tongue from base to tip, repeating the gesture from before, then lathers these thick licks upwards and downwards, 
on all sides, an assault of this thick pressure while his steady hand is still holding the base desperately in place. Crowley isn't sure why he's surprised that Aziraphale is an absolute fiend at cocksucking. He's a man whose greatest talent lies in his taste buds, so of course his mouth is confident and transcendent and an absolute goddamned wonder of the modern fucking culinary world. Aziraphale is mouthing at his cock like it's the fucking main cause, and Crowley has never, ever been so turned on by the thought of comparing himself to food. Aziraphale gives him another wrenching suck at the tip of his dick, the kind that makes Crowley go temporarily blind, and then tells him... My dear, darling boy, sweet darling, all I want to do is swallow you down. Crowley makes a noise word that has just about seven syllables and no consonants whatsoever. Luckily, Aziraphale takes it as a yes, because he wraps his swollen lips around Crowley's cock and starts a very slow descent down his entire length. Sucking the entire way, cheeks hollowed, until all of that tight tension is resting right against the feeling of Aziraphale's thick fingers. Crowley realizes, in a shock that shouldn't at all be shocking, that he really isn't going to last very long. And then Aziraphale starts to move, and it's more than true. His mouth and hand move together, so Crowley can't even tell what the fuck is happening to his cock. It just feels like this long tunnel of bright, hot suction and pressure in the best possible way. It feels like every god damned vein in his stick has to be standing out, swollen, every single nerve cluster alight with wet heat and the sense of Aziraphale. The pace quickens, and Crowley's hips are moving to their own terrible jerky beat. Not much of a dancer he is, no, and hand and mouth alike are pumping at him, working at him with an urgency that's less frantic and more just undeniable, as if Crowley would ever try to deny anything this good. He garbles at his first three tries and then manages to gasp out, Aziraphale, I'm close, because it feels like he's been close for the last decade, seriously, this kind of build-up must have taken an entire 10 to 15 years to mature, all when Crowley wasn't looking. It's building hot and wanting inside him, waiting to burst out of the ground, 
pushing and pressing at his stupid fucking bones and angles, and Crowley wants, he needs. Aziraphale pulls off only long enough to tell him, I'm ready. In this absolutely no-nonsense tone, like Crowley's cock is a vintage he's been waiting for, as if this is something served on a silver platter, as if he actually really wants Crowley against his tongue and in his throat, and oh shit, fuck, this is... The thoughts all come to a boil like a pot of water, and Crowley crests like a wave. All silver sparkling, too bright to look at, and his hands grip his own fucking couch as he feels himself pushing into Aziraphale's mouth, wave after wave, coming like it's the only desperate goddamn thing his body knows how to do. It might be. Crowley feels drained, emptied, shattered, but Aziraphale's mouth is still gently working him, lips and tongue. Fuck, is he, what's collecting every last drop? Crowley's head falls backwards onto the couch cushion and his eyes close. He's breathing, he realizes, like he just ran a motherfucking marathon. Eventually, the volcanoes stop, the earth cools, the dinosaurs emerge. Crowley's senses come back to him in a roaring rush, and he opens his eyes. Azira felt still there between his legs, looking so smugly satisfied and yet still desperately aroused that something tugs in Crowley's chest, something he has literally never felt before. The urge to please, to give, to yield until someone else can feel a fracture of what he's feeling right now. He feels like his stick might have just become the ultimate metaphor for a meal and he isn't quite sure how to deal with that. Crowley lets his vision focus. Aziraphale's eyes are so dilated they look black. It's a goddamn good look on him, and Crowley can barely help himself as he surges forward off the couch, tipping Aziraphale backwards, gently, onto his rug, absolutely lunging at Aziraphale's mouth until he can suck at Aziraphale's tongue, his own then spelling letters against it, all needy and wanting. He braces himself above Aziraphale on his elbows, looking down intensely into a gaze that's already going a bit crooked and murmurs, Angel, can it be my turn now? Aziraphale's eyes widen, even as they grow ever darker. 
It's a strange effect, one that pools right in Crowley's nervous system until he's filled with a jittery energy that has to go somewhere. He licks into Aziraphale again, that salty taste must be his own, before he continues down, licking and biting into the creamy skin across that collarbone, the thick of it over Aziraphale's breast. Crowley doesn't even want to take the time to undo the shirt, so instead he bites and sucks at Aziraphale's broad belly through the fabric. Something about the texture of it drives him wild, and Aziraphale's keening as he continues the onslaught, nimble fingers dipping below to start working at the fastenings of those pants. God, those thick thunder thighs looked a delicacy in these trousers. Crowley's almost sad to be removing them, except that he isn't fucking sad at all, he just wants. Aziraphale's cock is so hot and so hard, it springs free the moment Crowley tucks the fabric away, and Aziraphale moans above him, the same noise he makes after the perfect sip of something Crowley's made, and Crowley's so undone he has no fucking finesse, and he doesn't want to wait anyway, so he just licks at Aziraphale's cock, and then slides his mouth down as far as he can, because he's going to stuff the entire thing into his mouth, even if it chokes him. Crowley! Aziraphale cries, hips jerking roughly, and yeah, there it is, hitting the back of his throat, and that awful feeling has never felt this good before. Fuck. I have to warn you. Aziraphale manages to pant out. If you're going to do that, this won't take very long at all. Crowley hums around Aziraphale's cock, and then sloppily glides his way up to the point where he's looking up at Aziraphale, barely kissing the tip. Aziraphale is stunning. Breathtaking, spread on the floor like this, cheeks flushed and eyes gone dark, and he's struggling to sit up on one elbow, the other coming to gently wipe a strand of Crowley's hair off of his cheek. The hand rests in Crowley's hair, and Crowley reaches up to pull it deeper, smashing Aziraphale's palm against his head, before he dips back down, his tongue working side to side as he swallows the entire length again. It feels decadent, in some odd way Crowley isn't at all used to feeling. To have Aziraphale in his house, on his carpet, in his vines, to have his mouth full, Aziraphale's cock thick and leaking, 
to have his heart vibrating at the same frequency as he swallows tentatively around the tip again. To be allowed to do this, to bring Aziraphale pleasure, to be as pleasing to this man as vintage and delicacy, to be allowed to touch and feel and taste. It's fucking wild. It isn't long at all before Aziraphale's grip in his hair tightens and he makes a warning noise, which Crowley ignores, to hollow his cheeks and attempt to draw every last drop of Aziraphale's release down his throat by force. It's as shocking as his own orgasm, the sounds Aziraphale's making, deep, thick sounds, raw with pleasure, a shuddering gasp. Crowley pulls off once he hears Aziraphale's head thunk back onto the floor and he's breathing as hard as Aziraphale is. Come on, Angel, Crowley murmurs, reaching out with both hands. They end up back on the couch, with Crowley tucked into the corner and Aziraphale leaning against him. Crowley has one arm wrapped around Aziraphale's shoulders, tugging him in, and the other hand is tugged into Aziraphale's. Holding hands on the couch. God, they're a stupid fucking romantic cliché. The worries are about to kick back in. Aziraphale seems like he's dozing. His breaths will slow, his body relax, until he jerks himself awake with the slightest of movements. But Crowley can feel it, pressed as close as they are. He hasn't said a thing, though, and neither has Crowley. Should he offer his bed? Surely, if they've shared this, sharing a bed will be second nature. But Aziraphale has been so bold. Wouldn't he ask? Or does Crowley need to offer because it's his house? Or should he offer to drive Aziraphale home? At this hour? Crowley has no fucking idea what to do now. Instead, he leans his head a bit until his cheek is resting against Aziraphale's hair. Of course, his bloody shampoo smells like verbena and lemon. Aziraphale murmurs something. Awake or asleep, Crowley can't tell and tucks himself in further under Crowley's chin. This might be the most frightening bit of it all. The comfort of being so close. Crowley shouldn't be allowing this to happen. Then again, he shouldn't have allowed any of this to happen. There's no guarantee it'll end well at all. 
butter Zerafel feels so good here, all of Crowley's nerves floating happily on a sea of contact and endorphins. In the end, they both doze off on the couch for a while, and then Crowley drives Aziraphale home at the empty and completely irresponsible hour of 3am. The car is silent. The night around them is silent. And they hold hands. Crowley kisses Aziraphale's knuckles as he gets out of the car. Driving home, there's a prickling at the back of his neck, like he's about to see a ghost. By the time Crowley gets home, it's late enough and unusual enough and he's thrown enough to wonder if it all really did happen. The Chardonnay is flourishing this year. The fruit's setting in great big bunches and they must have done an excellent job tempering because to Crowley's eye it looks like the leaves are all at the perfect density to protect from rain and too much sun while still allowing wind flow and fog. 2019's gonna be a great year for the Magnificat. Fuck, he can already tell. The Pinot's another early bloomer, and it isn't doing as vigorously as the chard, but it still looks good. It's maybe halfway through fruit set, and Crowley might take some time trimming a bit of density out of Lydia's fields. The blossoms are sparser, and while that means the grapes will grow big, they'll need more sun to do so. As usual, he cannot fucking tell what the petite Syrah is doing. His other whites are lagging behind the chart, but they're looking a lot like his notes from last year describe, so he isn't concerned. It's his Sinfandel, and not just the old vines, all of them, Adam and Eve and Cup of Demons alongside the Apocalypse, that has him worried. They're lagging far behind the other vines. Not just the chart, which seems to just be happily gurgling along in a growth spurt, but the others too. Crowley keeps book every year where he painstakingly keeps notes for each field of the dates and shapes each step of the process takes. He draws the butt burst and then the new growth, he sketches out the tempering and he always notes sizes and flowers per bunch and all kinds of things when flowering turns to fruit set. And the Zinfandels are on par with last year. Which makes no sense at all, seeing that every other vine in the place is at least a full two weeks ahead. This should, in fact, move together. He's known for his Zinfandel. Those old vines are the heart of this place. It sits there uneasily at the bottom of Crowley's heart. 
The thing is, Crowley can still feel all of his anxiety about this relationship he's developing with Aziraphale, but it's muted. It's behind this wall that's built out of calm joy from their date, the pleasure he feels when Aziraphale smiles at him, the knowledge that they both want the same from this. The concern over the vineyard has no such buffer, and it's crackling through Crowley's already fragile heart as if it's a sign. Some kind of metaphor. As goes the vineyard, so goes his life? Ha! Isn't that the truth? If his sin fails, he's doomed. He'll need to take another loan somewhere to save this place and his own arse. All he can do is check, and check he does rather relentlessly and far more regularly than he needs, as he waits waits for those blossoms to fill up and ripen and drop, waits for those tiny green nodules that will eventually become his grapes. Every second the vines are in this state of flux makes them vulnerable to grape shatter. And Crowley can't afford that. Financially or emotionally, really. At least there's one thing going right, because otherwise Crowley might be going full feral, screaming at the vines under a new moon like a witch from the old days.